0: Wait, the last guy died at his desk from, you know, heart failure. Wait, right. they work seventy hours a week. Yeah. Like
1: it needs all the things. Give it all the things. Oh, perfect! You nailed it. You can't bend physics, but you can lose least right, write better software.
2: And you're doing MPLS or BUP changes or BGP changes. May God be with you, right? I always feel like I'm just a little fish in a sea of big fish. I've got a Nest in six node Nissan.
1: Oh, guys! People, you know, quite often think that they don't have anything to bring to the table when they absolutely do.
0: Everybody should, anybody in IT that skips the phone stuff, it just hasn't earned
3: it. Okay, I lied. I have one more question. On Demand. demand.
0: Correct.
2: Welcome to Gigacast episode 35 for Friday, January 31st, 2020. Live to tape from the Gigacast headquarters, I'm Britton Johnson.
3: And for my home office, I'm Tony Reeves.
2: The home office is done. It is
3: finally complete.
2: Except for your microphone situation, but we'll figure that out eventually. Yeah, it's it's pretty.
3: It's just a boom mic.
2: Yeah, how how do you like your chair?
3: Um, it's comfy. It's not as comfy as certain community members, not naming any names. Tim Davis (coughs) told me it would be.
2: (laughs) You know, but it's good. Tim is one of these guys. Tim is one of these guys where he's a big, real, like enthusiastic fan of the things that he really likes. Well, I don't.
3: You can see a little bit of it here. It's it's a. Secret Labs it's almost like a uh, kind of like a race car seat it's a, it's supposed to be a gaming chair but it's got nice uh Recaro support there lumbar support and a nice pillow it's pretty comfy
2: see i i, I worked for years in an in office in a fancy office where they had the the Aeron chairs so they're mesh so i yep. when i bought a chair for my office i got the cheapest version of that that i could afford from Sam's Club and nice I, because after working in des- desktop user support and having to like sit down in office chairs that aren't mesh like this, and you feel the heat from a person who just got up, it's just—it's it's mo- <laughs> it's it's always the mo- gross. It's the most disgusting thing in the world. And every time I would go to somebody's desk to help them for something, they would just be like, "Oh, don't you want to sit down?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, no, I'm okay standing. Thanks." <laughs> the heat on the butt. I don't need to feel your essence. <laughs> yes. So I feel your pain. Yeah. So, all right. Should we just let? The, should we just get the cat out of the bag right away, Tony? Sure,
3: I'm sure everybody knows all about right. it already.
2: All right. Well, um, sad news across many different parts of the company, um, mm-hmm. and Tony unfortunately didn't make it a year. So, I know you've kind of taken the initial shock fairly well. You've got opportunities coming your way. Mm-hmm. So, you know. My condolences, first and foremost. Thank you. I appreciate that. And second of all, yeah, um, what we kind of wanted to talk about today, even before this happened, was some career stuff, which we don't usually do. But, you know, now it seems, you know, kind of uh, apropos, I guess, is maybe the right word. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, so, but first off, you know, we, we got my brother, Heath, because he he started a twitter you know something or other and uh, our good friend in common Cody D'Arkland, who's who just left VMware to go to HashiCorp um you know they had you guys started quite a quite a rant on um career transition points and so we thought we'd kind of dive deep a little bit on that and just kind of talk about you know w- those points in all of our careers where change happens um and we wanted to get another new voice on the show and we finally got him after you know what feels like a long time of begging and pleading with with Pete specifically but now we have the other half of the virtually speaking show on the sh- on on here Mr. John Nicholson welcome Hey happy to be here Is it something where what is that thing where two two people can't be in the same room at the same time
0: Uh well I mean the yeah, people are concerned that uh, Pete and I may actually be one person. <laughs> yeah, and anytime I'm at a conference and I'm alone or I'm actually just with anyone other than Pete, I get the question of "Where's Pete?" and Pete gets "Where's John?" <laughs> um, I, I, I am Batman. I am Pete. Who knows? I mean, maybe yeah. that's what I came on the show to explain. But that right. explains
2: the glasses.
0: <laughs> nice. It makes
2: sense now. And, uh, and either, either, you know, Pete is, you know, where either either Pete's wearing a toupee right now, or you're really good at growing hair. <laughs> I don't know. This is, yeah, this is actually, this is, uh, put in by CGI. Oh, there it is. Yeah. So, well, welcome, John. I'm glad, I'm glad to finally, you know, you know, be able to chat with you. I've, you, you may not remember this. I met you briefly at one VM world a couple of years ago, but you no. Know, but but that's one of those moments where you're just like meeting thousands of people so i'm sure i was just a drip in the water drip in the ocean at that point
0: i think the glasses stand out you know it's um i used to wear glasses but people have glasses if they have a unique glasses pattern those match
1: yeah i'm gonna say this is the point where burton says i didn't hear glasses two years ago (laughs) yeah
0: i know i know i was setting
2: them up i was setting myself up for that no it's okay so all right um where do we start he, why don't we do you you, you? you like I said before we started recording. This is all your fault that we're even talking about this stuff. Well, so.
1: yeah. So let me let me roll back a little bit to where it started. So first off, we got to blame Cody Arkland because it was his tweet that kind of inspired my reply to him. Uh, right. Okay. So mm-hmm. I, I dug up his tweet and it says here uh, from Cody, we love him very much. Uh, I'd love to see more community talks from people who are finding their career groove wasn't always an easy thing. We all love a good hero story, but I'd love to hear more about people who it took a while to find their stride and some food for thought. So that's where I jumped in with as many characters as I could. Um, And I think he got a good handful of responses on here but i said at one point in my early IT career uh i was working for a small medium business and a third party consultant came into the small medium business and did some private interviews and there's a little bit of backstory as to why this guy even came in um and he told me to quit he was like you know what you have way more talent than uh this place can even afford to keep you here and you're gonna do way better just going somewhere else um, and so I needed that push to, to go somewhere else, get out of this small medium business and start moving towards larger enterprise IT infrastructures. And so I did a short while after meeting that guy. Um, I jumped ship and moved on to a, uh, small, uh, cell phone company that eventually turned into being bought out by Verizon wireless, but that would jump my start, my career into enterprise class it and learning how to go from SMB into enterprise equipment. So I needed that push in my career. So, so that was the, the, the elevator company you worked for. right? it was, yeah, it was kind of the craziest place. Um, I'm always intrigued by, uh, companies where they're located and what they make. Right. And so here in the middle of Minnesota, literally completely surrounded by cornfields is this company that makes passenger and freight elevators. Um, and it's just kind of the oddest place where this little tiny place is uh but to, like if you've ever been to an ikea in the united states they make all the elevators with the glass walls and stuff right there at this little uh small elevator manufacturer they don't always get their name on the elevator they make them for all the big companies they make them for coney schindler And things like that. So they don't get their name on them all the time, but um, they're the manufacturer of passenger and freight elevators all over the world, and they make the crazy weird stuff.
0: So it it wasn't an Otis by any chance, because that's the only one I've ever been in that fell. Was so. Oh,
1: nice. Yeah. No, it could have been. It could have been 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 that they made it. It depends upon how unique it was. They make all the weird uh, elevators that uh, those other manufacturers aren't sure how to manufacture.
0: I I do like the like people who started their IT careers in some of these kind of kind of cooler weirder manufacturing areas because not only do you learn about the IT but you learn about some type of business or industry or operations that you never would have like if you ever s- spent any time around the guys who program the elevators you
1: learn some really weird stuff about PLCs and things like that Yeah exactly um, Yep Yep. So there was a whole division within the company that they made those. I mean, they have these giant boards with pegs on them and they'd make the wire harnesses from scratch and real interesting stuff like that.
2: So I worked with a, a guy from Otis at one of the commercial office companies I worked for where they rented office space and they, they were installing basically new running gear for you know, elevators for an office building. And they had to hook up a, a computer to run some software for it and they're just like yeah this is an air gapped machine it's never going to be on the internet i'm like well thank goodness for that um (laughs) because it controls the elevators for this whole building um and he's just like he's like yeah just a little bit of knowledge he's like most of the time the door close button is programmed to do absolutely nothing so if you're sitting there in the elevator pushing the door close button it doesn't actually that's why it never works it doesn't actually do anything they leave it you know most cases they don't set it to do anything
1: yeah, there are definitely some placebo buttons. Yeah. So, uh, depends upon how the uh, the person purchasing it wants to right, it wired. Yeah. You, you
2: can-
0: it's, it's it's there for operator mode. So when there's actually our attendant mode, where there's an attendant. Yeah. And, yeah. Um. I I my knowledge of obscure elevators comes from the construction elevator industry. Alamec, heck, I spent way too much time in their offices. So, but this is the the fun of some of these early IT career things is right. you learn, you know, we talk about like elevator trivia here on on this tech podcast, but <laughs> you learn some really interesting things operationally. Um, you know, there's a lot of different queuing theory that you can learn, um, from these things. You learn supply chain, you learn dealing with warehouses. And so while it may not have been like the super sexy glamorous to think, thing to say, Hey, I was, you know, doing work at an elevator company. Um, you learn a lot of skills. I feel like that are more transitory for your later
1: career. Right. Absolutely. Yep. And, and like, yeah, when I was there, um, it was pretty early in my it career. I, uh, just came from a company that made post-it notes for 3M. They subcontract, sub 3M subcontracted out to them to make post-it notes. And that's, that was kind of where I got started a little bit was at this, uh, company. Um, I worked in the factory, making the post-it notes for a while, worked my way into the office and then, I got a, in the office job, I was the estimator. So for custom post-it notes, which is really cool. And then um, I ended up turning my job into software. So I started making Excel spreadsheet with macros built into it and actually eliminated my own job, Um, (laughs) which most people try not to do, but I actually Mm -hmm. used software to eliminate my own job. And then this elevator manufacturer heard about the same, what I did there. Um, they were near each other in the same town. And, um, so they invited me to come over to their company to do the same thing. They were at the time making elevators, uh, quotes, going through books, pouring over parts and pieces and engineering them all on paper. And so that's kind of how I got started in it career. And that's, so I was just making Excel spreadsheets for them to automate their, uh, estimating part of it. And then through that, I became part of an it team and started learning, um, uh, nt server you know windows nt was uh the first uh windows server infrastructure i started with and exchange five five that's kind of where i started uh classic teething within the it industry with if i'm uh, gonna start dating myself at this point it's all right you're, you're almost fully white haired so
2: exactly yeah. wow <laughs> What? yeah I, I I just remember at one point when you started really getting into the IT side I think at the elevator company you you uh, for some reason you turned on I don't know if it if it was ICq or if it was one of these early web chat programs that allows you to stream like video and you hooked up a webcam to it and you gave me the private link to it and I and I looking I pull up the stream and I just see you sitting at your desk with your feet up on the thing reading some book for like nice. four hours. Wow! I, miss, I'm like, I'm like, I wow. don't remember, but it's like, awesome. information. I'm like, yeah. wow, working hard, Heath. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. If I'm gonna read, I'm gonna read in that fancy chair that Tony's got with the little pillow, and put your feet up and dive hey, in. Right? Hey, this reclines. Check. I was, it was out. gonna say. Oh, wow. I was gonna say it's a recliner. <laughs>
2: That's, right? dangerous. That's dangerous. would be nap time. But yeah, I you know, and I you know like we talked about with tim davis we you know we hey tony and i kind of both started in help desk areas mm-hmm. and at the same company well yeah i, I you you joined a Wefer. i had been there for a couple of years um yeah. but like the thing that that i picked up right away is the you know especially being the introverted nerd um you don't really like to talk to people but when you're on the phone and it has a help desk you have to learn how to talk to people and calm them down and you know frustrating situations and all of that kind of stuff um and so you know that's where you know i got really my start with stuff and then after a while i'm just like you know like this is just it you know you got to get out i mean it, you're, you either be, you get sucked in and become a lifer in that type of an environment or you got to just you know t- take a jump and get out um and you know i i kind of got stuck again in sort of the small business IT stuff where I was just the one man IT shop for, oh gosh, probably a good, you know, eight to nine years of my career. And, you know, at one point I was looking and doing a transition and kind of similar to your story, Heath. I, I had, you know, set up a lunch with a guy who owns a consulting company in town and, you know, I kind of ran, we ran through my resume and what I, what I had good, good experience with and, he he basically told me he's just like he's like all right he's like this is what you need to do like you need to find a, you know a mid to large size enterprise you know place to go that has you know some VMware stuff that has the other stuff and just you know maybe maybe a room around five hundred thousand employees and just kind of you know take that next middle tier step and 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 move into that unbeknownst to this guy um, three months prior I had interviewed for that exact company. And they they passed on me, I was their second choice. The guy they hired lasted a week and quit and Two days before this lunch with this guy, the manager from that team reached back out to me to to schedule me and to come back for another interview and so as he said as I'm sitting there with this having lunch with this guy, he's basically telling me the job that you're about to get offered take it and it was just one of those crazy you know scenarios where you're just like all right, I guess this is what I have to do because the universe and everything is just like, you know, clearly pushing me in a certain direction. Um, and that, that was, that was sort of my, you know, push scenario, you know, my later on, two years later, I made the jump scenario into my own business, but that's a whole other conversation.
1: Um, yeah. So looking back at, um, how I went from post-it note manufacturer to elevator manufacturer, that was a pull, So, like I said, I I eliminated my own job. They ended up giving me another job to kind of do more estimating in a different product division there um, and started doing the same kind of work. But uh, like I said, word got around within town, And so that happened through uh, my network. Right. So it happened through some family and how they knew some other business professionals in the area. And so networking plays a big key role in finding jobs within, uh, I, I would suspect, any career. Right. So. Uh, at this point, I had uh, talked to my, fa- at the time, father-in-law, uh, about uh, what I did at the post note manufacturer. And he knew a guy that was the VP over at the elevator manufacturer. And he told him about me. Um, and so through networking, that's how I got pulled in. They actually came to me and said, hey, we want you to come and do the same thing. And so being able to network uh, amongst uh, all your friends and family is definitely a huge Uh, influence on career Uh, i'm sure john has some networking uh scenarios or stories he could tell us about as well
0: uh so networking Uh, honestly i blame networking for how i ended up in my current job but it's honestly now that i think back going to the job before that um it was you know talking with my var is how i got that job before that it was um uh, recruiter who was a friend from college. I've I've never actually been the spray and pray resume guy. It's always been kind of off of knowing
2: someone. You, well, you can't um, do that anymore, really.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's and actually having been the hiring manager on the other side, and and having a situation where I didn't have a, like a direct recommendation for a role, and I I opened the floodgate of the online submission form. Oh, geez, you will get eight hundred you know resumes for a role. And you'll end up with some stuff in there. It's like, okay, I need a, you know, a, an MPLS network engineer who can do the following things and do storage virtualization. Wait, your current job is massage therapist. Like, well, <laughs> right. you know, I say that as someone who previously was, you know, an English teacher, um, was my previous, you know, uh, overseas was my previous experience before, you know, entering it. So not, not knocking people for, for transition roles, but, right. um, I was going to say it, my my current job actually the original like link to hey you should apply to this came actually over Twitter. Uh, Duncan sent me a, a link, and so it's um, never never underestimate. Yeah, those networks. Also, reach out to people because people may not know you're looking. Um, in regards to that, but it's from the networking side. Yeah, I, I can't stress this enough. Go to your local V mugs. Be active yeah. if you're in the V expert. Um, we've got that Slack, which is this giant you know, um, great way to, to network with people around the globe. Um, there's a lot of stuff out there.
3: And I would say for me personally, I, I worked for a large corporate outsourcing company, and I was, I was not happy doing what I was doing. I was good at it, but I wasn't happy. I was doing a lot of customer service and interaction on behalf of a lot of Fortune 500 companies that we had contracts with. And the opportunity came to move over into the IT sector. I had already had Uh, the background of the help desk experience that I had uh, at the company that Britton and I started with. Am I back? Oh, there you go. (laughs) go. (laughs) Hopefully that doesn't happen again. My headset just got taken over by another audio device. Um, I was working in the IT department there and I was learning a lot, doing a lot, but it was all office-based stuff and I wanted to do more. I wanted to get into this virtualization stuff and being, you know, extremely long-time friends with Britton and Heath, they both really strongly pushed me and encouraged me to to learn new things, to get out of my comfort zone, and I ended up making the jump about five, six years ago to a manufacturing company, and I learned a ton there. And like you guys were talking about earlier, it was fascinating to me doing IT support for an office organization and then going into the manufacturing realm seen how the PLCs communicated and talked on the network and how we had software applications that would talk to the FedEx packager at the end of the line after the things ran through all these mechanical automation steps uh, and doing, this was a paper converting industry. So we would take in raw paper products and out the other side would come a finished product ready to ship. And a lot of that stuff, it all prepared me for, you know, the customer experience that I needed to have at VMware. It all, it's amazing how it all kind of works together and, and helps you as your career progresses.
0: Well, it's interesting you talk about those, being able to have those conversations. I, I, I've seen a lot of kind of, even some reaction lately to the discussion of soft skills um, and how important they are. And I think soft skills is actually kind of a terrible term for them. They're just general skills. Everyone needs to be able to communicate. Um, everyone right. needs to be able to have some empathy for your users or who you're working with. Um, I've seen a lot of people limit their careers by not being able to have, you know, qu- quick conversations or, or get those things through, um, in regards to that.
2: Yeah. And, and, and to that end, I mean, I, I posted this last week, um, on Twitter, um, I, you know, I've, I'm realizing the more as I grow in becoming to try to try to become an NSE, you know, that, you're you're having to deal with a lot of different types of personalities and how to communicate with different people and different people communicate in different ways, um, mm-hmm. and so I heard about this guy's book a couple, you know a year or so ago. Um, his name is Ian Morgan Cron, um, and he's got basically this really popular bestseller book about this personality profiling type system called the Enneagram, um, and the, the book's t- entitled "The Road Back to You." and it's it's pretty crazy because like i started reading this book and he starts the, the the enneagram is broke out into nine different personality profile types and you know he starts off with type profile number eight and i'm reading this and i'm and i'm going through it and i'm just like oh my gosh like for the first two bullet points i'm like this is my wife <laughs> and you know so i read through the whole thing read the chapter on her on, on, on what i believe is her her personality type and I'm like, i like, honey, you got to look at this. And, I, and I, I give her the book, and she's just aghast at, about reading about herself. And she, you know, and then, and then immediately she steals the book from me and goes on to find everybody else in our family. <laughs> 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 and 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 it's it's quite you know like when you start to look at some of this stuff, like I've I've read other personality profile type things before, but this thing, it's pretty well spot on for everybody that we know. And when you start to look through the different types and um, I, I'm I she she pretty much pegged me as a nine, and I'm you know as I look through it, she's probably right. Um, and if if you're interested at all in kind of yeah learning about how other people think about stuff, look at this guy's book because I mean it's fascinating the stuff that the the, the just just the way that people receive criticism or you know some people like you know want to you know be really helpful and they think they're being helpful when you as a different type of personality don't see that as being helpful and so you know then and i think a lot of these kind of personality quirks and differences as the way people are is probably one of the reasons that places like twitter can be some can be some can become so you know uh kind of Conflict ridden because we're so bad at communicating just person to person and you, you take out all of the, you know, body language and emo- and emotions and inflections and tone. And all of a sudden, you know, it's a fight in text messages. So, you know, if, if you're if, especially if you're finding yourself having to um, find a new job, you know, start to work on some of this understanding of there are other types of personalities in the world and figure out how they communicate and talk. And, I mean, you'll you'll see it now because of the popularity of this thing coming back, of you know, the, the Enneagram and other other profile systems, um, where people will put that right in their online profiles, and they'll say, they oh, know, I'm at this number. And you can go look it up and say, oh, okay, well, this is how best to communicate to this type of a person. And it may seem like, you know, pigeonholing and, you know, and kind of profiling people in a box, but quite frankly, I think it works because, you know there's there's ways like like one of the things for my wife is she likes she she actually enjoys conflict and and she enjoys kind of the pushback and so if she wants to if if there's some point of conflict that comes up like you know i'm the guy who avoids the conflict and so it's just it's like you know oil and water the two of us where she wants the fight she wants me to fight but i don't want to (laughs) so you know it's it, it, it and and i I can see that kind of stuff happening and I've, I've been in, in, you know, conference rooms where that kind of stuff is happening, where you've got some guy who has an idea and an agenda and really wants to push something through and, you know, everybody else in the room doesn't want to stand up to it. And so stuff just kind of happens in organizations because, you know, not because it's the right or the, 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 you know, wrong thing to do. It it just kind of happens because people don't communicate well.
3: And sometimes saying the wrong thing that's somebody else's trigger for a different personality type, even though you might not have meant it that way, it just sets people off in the complete wrong direction of what you wanted to accomplish, too.
0: Yeah, you definitely have to be careful on what can set people off. I mean, you never know if someone's, you know, God forbid, like a Green Bay Packer fan or something. <laughs> Whoa, he went there. Shots fired.
3: <laughs> you don't have to worry about that with me, though, John. I'm not a sports guy.
2: Sports ball. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, are we done? Is that our career talk? Are we that sad?
0: I, I actually had one thing <laughs> I wanted
2: to talk about okay. on, on career
0: talk. So I wrote this blog a while back that I, I it tried to sum up, it's called, so you were thinking about taking an offer. What do you need to know? And it's broken up into two sections. It's one, what are the questions you want to ask of that team and that hiring manager and some of this is pretty obvious. Um, if it's IT specific, like some of it's like, what are the SLAs? What are the expectations? Um, you know, what what services are outsourced? What are in-source? So you can kind of get a feel for their priorities, things like that. The other one also is, is, um, you know, the, the thing that a lot of people don't like to talk about is uh, compensation. And so a lot of people just get a number, they get a salary number, they're like, oh, there's a number, whatever. And the reason why I say this is I once had a guy who um, was working with me and he left for another job that paid five or 10 grand more. And then he got there and realized they had no bonuses and that their vacation sucked and that they didn't have, you know, their health, their health insurance was bad and they didn't have all these other things. And he realized after, in their travel policy required that he stay in motel sixes only, even if there was like a Marriott that was cheaper. Like it was, it was weird. So the idea being that there's a lot of extra questions you should be asking when you're looking at a new job, because there's a lot of things that can make you miserable. And some of these, you may have your own personal weights. Um, you know, if you're not planning on having kids, maternity, paternity may not matter. Right. Um, if you are, it may be really big. Um, so um, these are kind of some things to go
1: through. Yeah, definitely. I like the list you have got the questions too, because I've seen this asked before for some people considering different jobs and it's specifically around how is success measured by you, right? The hiring manager kind of a thing. Because they may have some weird key metric that you're like, whoa, no, that's never going to happen. I'll see you later, right? I've, I've heard of different scenarios where they're they're looking for this job in order to be successful in that manager's eyes has to hit this specific metric. And you're like, hmm, no, not going to happen. So why would I accept the job that I'm actually just going to fail at? That's a good point. That's a, it's a kind of a, a key thing uh, specifically How are, how are you going to be measured uh, for success in that new job role
0: you, you don't want to fall into the kobayashi maru uh sometimes asking what happened to the previous person in this role right um is this is this a is this are you just backfilling or is this actually is this a new ro- role oh it's a new role why is it a new role oh we're growing We've brought these, we've brought this or we we had a problem with DR and so now we realize we were understaffed and we need to cover better these things. Like there's you can learn a lot, and it'll actually make those having been a I've been the guy on the other side of the table in these interviews, these things can get really awkward if you have nothing to talk about. A lot of the a lot there's a lot of questions you can ask where you just kind of can expound on that can actually help make that meeting less awkward, as well as also find out that like Oh, this place is a death trap. Like, you know, Yes. wait, the last guy died at his desk from heart, conju- you know, heart failure. Right. Wait, they work 70 hours a week. Yeah. Like,
1: what, what the, the hell? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that goes back to Britain saying earlier that the guy before him in this job only lasted a week. You're like, why?
2: Right. And in, in, well, in, in that specific scenario, like he didn't, you know, it wasn't disclosed to him that part of his job as a senior systems administrator was going to be taking help desk calls oh sure yep and so like and thankfully like after i joined you know that that part of the job got axed by my manager and he's just he realized that he needed his senior admins to be able to focus and you know so i'm like so i got in there and i'm like i'm like number one like the stuff you want me to work on i can't be doing this and then suddenly i have to downshift into how do i reset my password yeah
3: that's one of the challenges i had uh, my my last customer role is they just wouldn't give the head count and, and give me the ability to focus. It was that same thing. Oh, my my mouse batteries are broken and I'm working on a, a 7-1 outage. It doesn't work well that way. It's got to be separated out and, and delegated out to people with uh, different skill sets.
2: Right. Um,
1: cool. Yeah. So go ahead. Well, oh, you got a topic? No, no, go ahead. All right, so um this kind of leads to another question um so i have uh, periodically people reach out to me um and i'm sure they reach out to uh you guys as well it's like what is uh being working for vmware a lot of people ask how did you get in right so what did you do to get into your current role um and so i was chatting with uh, somebody on slack the other day about this they were asking about getting into tech marketing this person currently works at Dell, um, but they're interested in getting into technical marketing. And I uh, went through some of the things that I thought were uh, ways to get into a, a position that you're looking at, right? Start actually doing some of those job functions in your on the side in your current role. Um, but one thing that I've seen come up a lot is people look at the job qualifications for a job posting and they filter themselves out. And they'd like, oh, I don't meet all the qualifications. So oh, I'm, I did that. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to apply. And that personally, that's a, that's a pet peeve of mine. I'm like, when those managers post those job postings, um, they're looking, they, they kind of make up that list of the perfect person. Yeah. They right? want the unicorn. Yes. Yeah, so they're they looking they for that speak. perfect unicorn person. Yeah. And, yeah. um, I always have to tell people, you know what, even if you don't think you qualify, if you hit some of those marks, apply. Don't filter yourself out because you might hit more than their best candidate that they have. Um, and so don't filter yourself out when you're looking at different job roles and job functions. Let the, the hiring manager and HR filter you out uh, because you might be disqualifying yourself from a role that you are the most qualified candidate. You are the closest fit that they have in the application pool.
2: Right, yeah, because I mean, the, you'll you'll see these postings where they like you know they want you to speak French and Swahili and you know be able to write code in COBOL and you know I mean it's it, they, they they it it gets a little ridiculous sometimes in the job postings that you see out there where like yeah they want they they want somebody who doesn't exist in most cases and you know. I, that's all that's as, as, as somebody who's been looking for jobs in the past, that's always frustrating because yeah, you, 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 you feel like you can't find anything, but, but at the same time, you know, having been a part of a, uh, running my own thing and occasionally like I entertaining the idea of hiring somebody to replace myself, like you start to look at, you know, the pools of people and candidates that are out there and it's like, I mean, as a business person it's really difficult to just trust somebody with with you know what what you need them to do and and it is really hard to find good people at the same time um so you know just the sheer fact that you get invited in and in, into the room in some of these some some companies some organizations it's it's a you know that's a big step in and of itself so and and especially if you're joining a smaller organization like if you're you know in in a you know joining a small consulting company or joining you know joining a, a smaller small medium sized business i mean you kind of have to you know approach it from a different level because they're going to want you to care about things almost as much as they do um especially if you're talking to the owner of the company and that's a difficult position to be in when you're you know trying to interview for a job um because quite frankly nobody cares about their business as much as the owner does and nobody should um realistically but you know enthusiasm counts big time in in those kind of things i mean i've i've been in interviews with people where like you could just you know the the, the guy who we're talking to or person we're talking to is just like you know sh- shoulders slumped heads kind of down they're just you know mr eeyore in the conversation and you're just like man this guy's a wet blanket i don't want to i don't need i don't I really don't want to talk to this all day
1: Yeah, I've had the opposite, too, where I just felt like I bought a Buick.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Because it was too salesy or because it was just old and slow?
1: No, it was salesy. The guy was really selling himself, and then he was extremely enthusiastic about everything. It was just the most amazing thing ever. Yeah. Sounded like an infomercial. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I think I bought a Buick and a my at the same time. Just interviewing the guy. <laughs> nice. Well,
0: and this gets back to asking about the business and learning a little bit about, like, not just the IT side or the operations part of your job, but also being like, okay, what industry are you in? Who are your competitors? What are your What are your biggest advantages? What are your What are your biggest headwinds that y'all are facing as a company? Mm-hmm. And that that can sometimes, from that, you'll learn. You know, oh, our competitors—they have—they're in more locations than us, so we may need to scale and grow VDI or, or f- find a way to enable a field sales team or things like that. There's different things you can learn that will actually impact your side of the job just by knowing what the business's problems are um, to get ahead of it in that regard.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the other thing you point out in this uh, blog that you've got, John, is you know talking about different compensation things. Um, I know I've messed up a couple of times transferring jobs um, where I wasn't paying attention to um, maturity dates on like uh, vesting, so yeah. i missed I, I I missed a vesting window by like two weeks. If I would have just put in my notice a little bit later, I would have gone from sixty percent vested to a hundred percent vested on some uh, company matching, uh, so I've lost some dollars doing that. Um, even uh, internally within VMware, switching roles from a field sales role to an internal uh, R& d development kind of role, I lost uh, I wasn't paying attention to some expenses that I was allowed to expense um, and lost some money in that process. So there's always those little details. you call a lot of them out here in this blog article. This is great.
0: a th- this is a year's in the making. It's an organic document if anyone has any recommendations, but um, one thing on that timing is if you are changing companies, and this is actually is a problem of like, okay, 401k vestment or stock vestment or something else or a bonus. Um, I had a friend who was jo- joining a different company and his, his, his yearly bonus was coming up. Um, and part of it, you can say, hey, can you give me a, a, a hiring bonus or a signing bonus, um, even partially that will help offset that so we can make the transition sooner rather than you hire me and I have to have like a four month out date. Otherwise, I'm out of a, a comical amount of money. Um,
1: yeah so definitely paying attention to all those different details there's a lot of moving parts when you uh start looking at change jobs
2: yeah, yeah and, uh, and you know go ahead tony your microphone's working so talk
1: yeah it's already disconnected on me about another
3: five six times um i've always seen that slogan your your 401 or your last job is no place to leave your 401k and that that holds true make sure you reinvest it, you know, move it somewhere else. We're not here to give you any kind of actual investment advice, but just make sure you don't leave things behind and kind of take care of those little small details.
0: Wait, we're not turning this into the finance podcast, right? Yeah, not. I, <laughs> I was all ready to go off on the IRA pro rata rule and why it may be better <laughs> to roll the 401k to another 401k than roll it over. Nice. And you should discuss 401k roll-ups, but okay. Br- <laughs> Find me on Twitter, guys. Yeah. So, <laughs>
2: why, why does everybody we kind of on the show want to get us in trouble with the SEC?
0: You know, actually, the fun thing is, is you know, it, the real talk here. I can say I'm a financial advisor as long as I don't say I'm a fiduciary. Um, <laughs> they, they don't care. Nice. Right. Financial advisor means nothing. I can, <laughs> I can, I can be like, hey, you need to buy shares in John Corp. Actually, no, that would get me in trouble. I'd be selling shares, yeah. selling private shares,
2: selling yeah, private yeah, no, share, that wouldn't. No. No, okay. do that.
0: Please, SEC, leave me alone. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, so, edit that out. I mean, uh, Heath, you're a big, you know, uh, Dave Ramsey head guy, and I, I once heard Dave Ramsey say in, t- in talking to somebody doing a career transition, where he he, he was interviewing somebody in when his, in his small company days uh before that he was a big thing, and he's just like he, he had this this crazy requirement where he requires everybody who interviews it was interviewing for them at the time they had to submit a budget, um, to see like you know. How, how much debt do they have? All that kind of stuff. Because he's Mister No Debt, and so he goes in to review this candidate, in kind of the final rounds, they look, they're looking at this person's budget, and he's he was just kind of shocked. He's just like, Do you realize that the job that you've been interviewing for this whole time will not meet the budget that you have today? And so you're you're going for a job that's going to pay you less than you need to live on. I can't, I literally cannot hire you because you're making a, a you know a huge mistake financially because your you know your your personal budget is so out of whack and you know it I I would be doing you a huge disservice and you'd be a horrible employee because I'm not I can't afford to pay you enough <laughs> for this role
0: well the banking industry will do that they'll actually do like credit checks and be like all right is this person going to be like going to have a problem or right. they may they may be more inclined to steal which you know we can get into the ethics later on but
2: but yeah, it so, so 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 his whole point in that was just like you know if you're changing jobs, like don't just take a job just to have it, and you know make sure that it actually meets your needs because you know if if all of a sudden if you take a job that doesn't pay enough, and you you know you either you either have to then adjust your lifestyle to that, or you're gonna have to get a second job, which is gonna make job number one suffer, and so
0: so about yeah. the second job thing though, like I've I, I've seen some people. I've seen some people who love having side hustles. You know, they're doing things, particularly early in career. They'd be fixing like people's personal computers on the side for money. Yep. I've seen people who say, "Just spend all your, t- take all that time you would have on that, and focus on education, so you can move up in your job and just make more in your existing hustle." Uh, I think that was probably more my strategy, but I-
2: I'm curious your thoughts on that. So it's tough because I, I that's what I did, but before I became a consultant. Um, so, you know, like when I, when I jumped from the small business into the medium enterprise, um, you know, I, on the side had started this, you know, it consulting business and, you know, for two years I was, I was doing both. And, you know, I, I, I did because I, you know, I, it was one of the situations where like, I had to be very careful about my time. And I, I ensured that, you know, when I was on the clock for the, the primary day job, um, I was there I had, you know, they had my full attention. Um, I was working, you know, giving them 110% effort, um, which is, you know, the thing that I have just kind of personal comment on is I've noticed in a lot of organizations, um, most people, and this is a very generalized comment and I'm not trying to slam anybody, but I've I've noticed that most people really only give about, you know, 30 to 40% of their actual effort at work.
0: Is this an Office Space speech? Because I think I've seen this movie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, and what if, and would if,
0: you say you do here? Yeah.
2: And I feel like I feel like you know, yeah, to be a real rock star at work in most places, you only have to give like fifty-five percent effort. Um, and you know, and that's a sad truth of the of where we are. But you know, so I so when I was you know doing this thing on the side, um, you know, yeah, I was. You know wholeheartedly involved in engaged in my regular day job when i was on call in my on-call rotation i didn't do other extra work um you know because you just never know and you know but but as as the boat got closer to the dock where all of a sudden the side thing was making uh, almost as much money as the day job um it just became really really clear like okay now's the time to jump um and 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 because i can't you know you can't keep up that level of work um especially with, you know, at the time I had a newborn in the house um, and, you know, it was just, you know, it was, it, w- it was really stressful for for everybody involved. And so making the leap just made sense. Um, and conversely, you know, doing that for, you know, three, four years, and then all of a sudden the opportunity for VMware comes along, you know, I, I worked really hard for a long time to build up the consulting business, get clients, do do VMware work and in, in, in projects to get experience. And then this thing with VMware comes along and what, you know, one of the first questions in the interview is, you know, do you, are, are you going to, you know, do this other thing on the side still? And I'm just, and I told him straight out, I'm just like, there is no possible way that I can do both and be successful at it and have a, and maintain my marriage because, know there is it, it it's too much like you know and especially with the amount of travel and stuff that i have to do for vmware now um so i've told them i'm like i'm to the point now where i'm fully glad and ready to put aside the consulting business you know and let gigabrit go to bed and be you know vmware Britton johnson and not be my own thing anymore um because it, it, it was it was exhausting but this was the next logical step to make So side hustle. Last thing, side hustles like vary, you know, for people like for me, it was a real business. Um, For some people, it's just posting pictures on Instagram. But
1: yeah, go ahead. Who was talking? You were talking. I thought that was John saying something.
0: No, I I like that. How? You know, earlier career, you were able to make that balance, but then, you know, as family of things evolve, as the job becomes, okay, I can't just put in 30% and get this job done and execute, then it becomes, you know, a choice on the side hustle. Or sometimes the side hustle, as you say, becomes a job, go consult. But yeah, I've, I've also seen like the dark side of this where like, I'm sitting there, there's an outage and like the sysadmin goes away because he has another outage at his side right. hustle. And it's like... Come on, man! Yeah, yeah. That's or not, the that's not, cool. and also your statement on people like you know really only get forty percent. Any of us who have ever managed a web filter, we know everyone's <laughs> on single no. Like it's like you know you walk through an office, you are like you know that network admin who spends ninety percent right. of his week on you know managing his fantasy football team and
2: right. But like um, there, there was one small business I worked for where like the the assistant to the you know owner of the company, her office window. Was backed up to the uh, the front door of the building. So every day that I would walk in, I would just see her scrolling through Nordstrom Rack online. <laughs> and I'm just like, like, wow. Just you know, you can't, you can't, you're not even trying to hide it. Well, but that also comes from forcing people to 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 come into an
0: office or work 40 hours right. for a job that may or may not need it. There are some rules, unfortunately, where you need someone just to sit there and greet people when they come in. And hopefully those are more early career roles or they evolve into something more exciting. But um, yeah, that's th- that also gets back into, for those of us who work remote, you know, how do you become disciplined and also don't just do the same thing?
1: Um, yeah. That comes up in a lot of conversations I have with people, uh, local friends where where I live here, they're like, how in the world do you work from home and, you know, maintain that diligency and, and things like that. And uh, I think there are some, uh, you know, personal disciplines that you have to have in order to uh, succeed in working from home without people uh, physically seeing you on a day-to-day basis. I mean, I rarely I get to talk with John here every once in a while online, but I rarely get to see his smiling face.
0: Well, you mean uh, we we're, You don't have a camera over my shoulder? You know, it's <laughs> exactly. I've I worked, worked at a place where the CEO had so little faith and everyone's ability to remain productive that all the monitors had to face the door in such a way that you could be easily snuck up on and you know and in and, and all calls were recorded in the entire company all wow. email was forcibly blind cc'd to the ceo oh man um no part of it was his pay was so terrible you know you get what you pay for um, but <laughs> yeah. um but it's it's it is actually it, you know, it is interesting in terms of like how do you how do you hold yourself accountable, not only employees accountable in those types of environments. And how do we move? If we go back to the early days of of working with computers, there definitely and as the internet had a lot of early distractions, a lot of people were deploying web filters and we would turn those things up to eleven and just oh, block yeah. everything fun. And then nowadays I feel like in most corporate environments, unless there's you know it's a bank or something really locked down. You generally don't see that as much. Um, I feel like that that's kind of gone the other way. Or there's a guest Wi-Fi, and now everyone's got a cell phone, so they can still right.
1: Most most people are just there's... have moved their uh, browsing to their cell phones, feeling that it can't get tracked.
2: Yeah, it just it gets tracked in other ways by people just you know not getting their work done. But like, so can your can your employer pay double click to get all the or one of these dark data
0: brokers to find out how much <laughs> you're goofing off, like? Instead of, instead of selling you things, can my, can HR find that out the wrong way?
2: Maybe. So as we kind of try to wrap stuff up here, um, so for, for all the people who are, you know, in, in Tony's unfortunate boat, um, what do you two guys have for, um, knowledge and advice for people who are suddenly
1: finding themselves looking for work? Yeah. I mean, for starters, like we talked about at the beginning, networking, Um, we've seen Tony and others reach out on uh, Twitter and the expert channel and whatever other resource they have. Uh, Networking is huge. That's uh, made a major difference in the roles that I've uh, moved into just getting into VMware. I remember through the interview process uh, with my first boss at VMware, I asked him, I'm like, do you need any more references and he said no please make them stop he says i've got so many people emailing me about hiring you that uh, i can't take it anymore so please no more references and so that kind of level of people speaking on your behalf mm-hmm. um makes a major difference in getting the job that you want uh, so definitely in networking
0: um my thing is, you know, obviously beyond that list, I'd say to go look at uh, when you're doing your resume, sit down with some, someone who worked with you through some of those projects, because you will often undersell yourself and not necessarily remember what all you did or executed well at. Um, you're generally not your own best judge. That'll be uh, and not even your former managers, but people who are in the trenches beside you can help a lot. And then also just, um, you know, think of all the different external people you interacted with think of vendors think of vars think of suppliers think of uh, companies you had to interact with anyone you did an external project with um, these are people that might not be in part of your normal network but these are good people to have a t- you know a,
2: a quick touch with any last thoughts any other updates stuff we need to know about that's happening industry-wide or product-wide hmm
1: product wide it's going to be a uh, it's gonna be an interesting year at VMware let's just say that I think uh, the VMworlds they gave some hints towards uh, what's what's in the pipeline um, but uh, I think uh, most of us all have seen some of the stuff internally that we can't talk about at this point yet but it's going to be a kickass year at VMware
0: yeah we're on the last day of the fiscal year so as far as quiet periods go this is a I, I'm yeah I'm I'm gonna be I'm just gonna say it'll be an interesting year.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. I'm really excited. I've been at VMware four years, I think. John, you have too. Yeah. um And I'm I'm really excited for this coming year.
2: Yeah, it's I I've I, I've been so head down with customers that I haven't been able to like really pay attention to some of the stuff that's that's happening or going on. I and mean, occasionally I hear stuff and I'll be like, oh, okay.
0: <laughs> Actually, I, w- I will say this. I will say this. Hashtag year of VCF. Yeah. Totally.
2: Uh, hasn't that already yeah. yeah I feel like that's already been the thing maybe that's just cuz then no no the, that
1: was a year of edi yeah last year was the year of edi <laughs> I don't know how that well that worked out for the horizon people but um this year definitely the year of cloud foundation All right. i think uh, we'll have some uh definite conversations in the future uh, about cloud foundation on this podcast and many others Cool,
2: um, Tony. Any uh, any any requests? Is like, if there's somebody you want, you know, what do you, what do you want to do? What, you know, what's your what's your unicorn job look like?
3: Well, I kind of would like to move more towards technical marketing, something along the lines of what John and Heath do. Um, that's been my long term career goal. I would be interested in something in community management. Um, anything in along lines of marketing? Uh, another SE role would be great. Um, if anybody has any leads, I've been getting a lot of them, but if anybody has anything else that they haven't thought of, just listen to this at a later date, you can reach me at import car guy on Twitter. DMs are open. Uh, otherwise I'm also on LinkedIn forward slash in forward slash Mr. V Uh, and you can reach out to me that way. Appreciate any and all leads.
2: Cool. All right. Well... I don't have my exit music ready because I'm through. I had to throw this together at the last minute. So we'll just wrap it up and chat a bit. So if you guys want. All right. Well, thanks, John, for for coming out. I'm glad to to finally be able to chat with you a bit. And uh, do you have anything you want to say about Pete on this episode? Because Pete had lots of nice things to say about you the last time he was here.
1: Oh, God. What did he (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: I think he affectionately referred uh to you as the fire hose the firehouse yeah but i talk too much no he, he 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 said something about you know he just he turns you on and you spew a bunch of tech and then you know <laughs> turns, turns it turns it down slowly
0: yeah no that is well i mean that's all the editing he has to do I, I i feel really bad for pete because i make it he has to edit so much of you know our podcast is very much a, a labor of pete's love of, of spending time Staring at the raw waveform and being like, all right, let's let's get rid of that. <laughs> um
2: all right. But he was he was very, you know, he was very complimentary of you. So go back and listen to our last episode from December. Yeah, you know. I, I was, will
0: say I will say he is the master interviewer. Like this guy has listened uh to other radio shows and things for a very long time, and he has picked up on all the subtle cues and all of that. Um there's a it, for anyone actually who likes interviewing or podcasting. Uh, there's a podcast called The Turnaround, it was with Jesse Thorne, where he goes through and he interviews some of the best interviewers in the world. Um, so people like even Jerry Springer, like who you, I mean, someone who's legitimately interviewed thousands of people, or you know, you got people like Howard Stern or, or Katie Larry king's people like this. Um, and it's, it, I think the best way to become better at this as a platform is just to, to talk to those people. And I think. Pete is is truly up there as like one of those people that if, if he replaced Larry King, I would have actually probably been happier than you know what we got
2: instead. <laughs> What's wrong with Piers Morgan? <sighs> Are you sure you want to start
0: I, I,
1: that? <laughs> yeah, that's a rabbit hole. Yeah. No, no, no.
0: But no, it's uh it's, it's we've got a good it's great working with him and I think we complement each other well. If it was two Johns or two Pete's, it would not work. It would not work at all. It'd be a train wreck
2: cool well thanks guys uh thanks heath and john and tony and uh good things for everybody who's out there searching for for their next gig um and yeah if if, you know i'm I'm sure all all of us all three are, all four of us will help anybody who's looking for something if you need guidance or assistance or anything you know reach out to us online absolutely Uh, and, and uh we'll we'll connect people and make things happen as we as we get there so thanks everybody again this has been gigacast episode 35 my thanks to john nicholson heath johnson my co-host tony reeves Uh, next up we're doing a deep dive comparison between vmware nsx and cisco aci keep an eye out for that with our special guest mr paul mancuso keep sharing the show and leave a review on whatever your podcast player of choice is thanks for listening everybody we will talk to you later